I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Episode four of the Hannah episodes is here. Uh, this was a really special one because this is the one where we worked with Hannah, and by we I mean Josh, <laughs> uh, to to uh, take what it was a written story and turn it into something that could be performed on stage. That may sound like an easy thing to do. It's not for anyone who's tried. It's a process. Do you want to talk a little bit? I know, Josh, you're about to listen to Josh. Do yeah. It. Yeah. We're going to listen to it like for like two hours or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, basically, you know, there is a difference between writing material that's to be read and writing, uh, you know, be read. Yeah. By yourself without out loud. And then there's the scripts that are or words that are meant to be performed or shared orally or orally. So, yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a different beast. There's different things, timing, rhythm, point of view, statements, all kinds of things come in when you start to perform it, shadings. Those are all technical things, but yes. I can't tell you how applicable this is to anyone who ever wants to tell a story in front of any sort of audience, mm-hmm. whether that's on Broadway or whether that's in your living room to your family, friends. So, uh, there's a lot here about authenticity, emotion behind the words you deliver, mm-hmm. the point of view of a character mm-hmm. could help in a lot of ways. So this is episode four. And if you listen to the end, you'll have the impression that this is the last episode, <laughs> but this is the podcast that refuses to die. This, this is a series. There will, in fact, be a fifth episode. It will be out next week. And it'll be the final one. <laughs> we promise. No more. No promise. But it'll be an interesting episode because we're going to play the first draft that Hannah came on in with. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to listen to her performance, the audio of her performance at OLOC when she performed it in front of an, an, a live audience. And we're just going to talk about what happened mm-hmm. and we'll compare the two and you'll just get to see like that evolution seen through our eyes and, and of the people who work with worked with her. Uh, so look out for that. That'll be episode five. That'll be out next week. I really feel like that one's going to be invaluable. If, you know, if you didn't listen to the, to the other, these four, yeah. just listen to the last one, the fifth one, because just having that result thing of listening to nine minutes and seeing where that nine minutes goes to 22 is just, I mean, it's, it's astounding. And yeah. all, all, all thanks to Hannah. And hopefully it'll give you hope. Like if you, I some actually talked to someone recently and they're like, Oh, well, I've got five minutes here and six minutes there. And like, they sort of don't know what to do with it. And, this is like a great example mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. how Hannah got from, you know, eight, nine minutes to 22, I think is what she delivered on stage, you know, in a manner of three or four sessions, three sessions of those really. But like, mm-hmm. and if I think if we kept working with her, it would have, you know, in been another two months, it would have been 40 minutes. Yeah, and if been we kept, a feature, yeah, yeah. By the end of it, she would have had a solo show. So, um, and she still might. And well, you know, you, what you're talking about really brings up something interesting for me, which is like, okay, I take a piece that's nine minutes and, and organically it starts to expand into these other scenes. Like, oh, let's explore your relationship with your mother. Let's explore your relationship just before the wedding. And so all these things start to come in that are part of the story, but you're also hand selecting what that story through line narrative is going to be about in terms of theme and underlying by the scenes you pick. And, and I feel like Hannah did a fantastic job with that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So without further ado, episode four, from page to performance. (laughs) Enjoy. Now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey, Adam. It's time for Notes on Your Notes. I have yeah. to say you're brave. <laughs> you got someone to say yes to that? 
When someone wow, says you're brave. doing something brave, I never know if it's a compliment no, quite no, or it's not. It's like, a, is it? Definitely, definitely a compliment. <laughs> Amy Schumer has a joke about this. Really? What's, what is it? I think she put a photo. I, this is definitely wrong, so just <laughs> yeah. assume this is fiction, what I'm about to tell you. Uh, I think she put a photo of herself in a swimsuit on Twitter, and someone wrote back, like, that took a lot of courage. That was really brave. <laughs> And she's like, that's not a compliment. <laughs> that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> nope. Right. Yeah, I guess that would be. Who else? Because uh, that whole thing arose when, what's her name? The woman who created girls with all the nudity in girls. Oh, Lena Dunham. Lena Dunham. I feel like if it has to do with your body, maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's better not to say anyone's brave <laughs> <laughs> for like showing their body off. But. <laughs> Oh, in this context, takes a lot of courage. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. yeah, this is just like yeah, just a story. Like, wow. We just asked Hannah to show off her emotional body. Yeah, emotional. Yeah, body. and she <laughs> complied uh, studiously. I'm not doing an intro today. This is the intro. <laughs> this is it. Okay. So if you're listening, you've probably listened to the last three episodes <laughs> and seen Hannah's amazing development. And. This is the fourth and final episode. Final, final episode. So over Hannah Mug. Is, is that right, Hannah? Is it, I was is like, the are they going to ask me to come back again? <laughs> no, no. No, you're not coming back, <laughs> although we do think we have an idea for your new show. <laughs> you're getting a spinoff. Yeah. What's um, the Hannah It would be show? so awesome if Hannah got a spinoff and like no one listened to our show and everyone just listened to Hannah. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that's understandable. It could happen. Uh Hannah is going to do something special today. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what I was excited about today is that mm-hmm. uh, I've seen Josh work with actors and performers before, mm-hmm. and it's really unique and cool. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to do anything today. <laughs> wow. So, all right. So this is what's happening, everyone who's listening. So first off, if you haven't listened to episode one through three, you don't have to because you're going to see performance notes today, which is a different thing. But it probably would be interesting if you were really curious to see where Hannah came from. Um, and if you're listening to this, we are. She's gonna read this at an open mic, and I'm, we're gonna record that as well. And I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put the first draft and then the final reading of at mm. the open mic together at Smart. the end of the show, Smart, yeah. so people can mm. see where she was and where she is now. And then she's gonna rewrite it another forty times <laughs> in, in another year because this is about development. And then we're gonna do it again. I we'll need do it another. To be done. I need to be done with it at some point. <laughs> and then and then someone's gonna read it and go, "Oh my god!" And they're gonna turn it into a screenplay. And then you know you're gonna be, you know you're gonna get story credit and co- and then it's gonna go up for like you know. It should definitely be a short. Yeah, it's just got a lot of locations. It's kind of expensive to shoot. But. Yeah. Uh, I, could, I love it when you talk pragmatic like that. I know Josh hates that. <laughs> yeah. You know what Josh hates the idea yeah. that there's ever a final draft. Oh. It's never done, right, Josh? You're always in development. Up you, shooting script, right? Shooting scripts are always getting changes at the last minute, right? Because because something else is informing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. And and then there's the whole then there's the whole editing. You know, when you're picture editing, you know, there's that whole version of the script too, which yeah. is yet again another. Yeah, that's another shaping. Yeah, so true. things are recut. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Excuse me. Miramax was big in, into that. Mm. They mm. called him Harvey. Scissor hands before he ever had a different connotation by his name, but mm-hmm. he got that because he would acquire movies at festivals and then recut them. Oh, really? And people, would, the wow. filmmakers would be super pissed. Yeah. And there was a guy, I think I want to say it was at Miramax, I've heard him interviewed, that was his job. He was the recutter and 
he'd be like, yeah, everyone thinks that their movie is so perfect, but I can cut 10 minutes off and make them better. He was so confident he was right. It was pretty impressive. And as someone who has seen stuff get cut and cut, mm-hmm. I, I, I think he's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. you always think that everything has to be there and then people are like, mm, let's get this down to the essence. I don't know who's right or who's wrong, but... I have to agree with you. A lot of times people are doing projects that are what, I, what people call vanity projects, you know? And it, if you're too close, it's mm-hmm. just, it's usually not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, don't you, get too close. Yeah. yeah. The idea of someone who has no association with the project taking a crack at it, it seems like it probably would be pretty good. Yeah. You know, as as, as opposed to the director having the final say and keeping mm-hmm. the shots in that they're attached to that really don't need or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about Hannah's fiction podcast that she's working on being handed over to someone else in the studio. I, well, one of the things I've recommended and we're going to do is we're going to let people that have no association listen to it before we release it. It's smart. Just to see, you know, because there's things that I'm sure can be cut from it. But I also didn't write it. So it's not, I'm not as close. So oh, it's easier this, for me yeah, to. Yeah, you produced yeah. it. Yeah, it's good to have it's 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 multifaceted. It's good to have pulse checks. You know, it's good to go in for it, but it's also good to have a single vision and Mm -hmm. and to find that balance, you know, and that's why certain directors are so hmm, uh, thought of so well. And that's why people have fan bases. uh, Directors have fan bases around certain audiences because they go back to see their vision, Mm. that director, he or she. It's a sense. All right, so here's what it really comes down to. It comes down to developing a sense and sensibility. Because if you're not developing your sense and sensibility as an artist, then you're really not doing the essential work. Because that's really what it comes down to. I was always skeptical of this because I had heard someone who worked at an agency say it was a friend who'd made an independent movie that had done, I guess, well. And they said, oh, well, they just want to talk to the director. Like, that's who everyone wants to talk to at the agency to sign. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought about that for a minute, and I was like, not just to sign, I think he was obviously signed, but to, to talk to him about projects, that we still live in a world where directors with a unique perspective mm-hmm. have enough power where people will pay just mm-hmm. to like see that perspective, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It's like when they market a Scorsese movie, right? Like you go, right you, you go to, right. Right, you already did it. You go, yeah. you go to see that movie. There is a certain number of people it's like actors have Fincher. loyalties. People will Fincher. go to Fincher. People go to Fincher yeah. movie. I'll go to a Fincher movie. Yeah. But I'm like, how many people is that? I think that's just like a certain people in LA and New York who will do that. No, not true. No, no. that's not true. That's not true. My other question is how far down the B list we go where people are like, I really want to see a Mick G movie. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like, At some point, maybe it becomes branded like Transformers. No one's no one's caring who the director exactly. is. Like a Michael Bay movie? Yeah. Mm. That has to do with production values, not to do with story, not to do with the vision. It has to do with. And why does Michael Bay money, get so yeah. much money? Because because he has a, a, a he has a, a history where he can recoup the investment. So they feel like you're reliable. Yeah, you're. Re- yeah, if I'm going to give you, if I'm going to give you a hundred million dollars to. I had to a friend tell me they think Michael Bay is an auteur, and that, and his definition was this. He's like, I could show you any movie, and you would know within the first fifteen minutes if it was a Michael Bay movie. By the way, just by the way it looked and felt. Yeah. It's not about whether you like it. It's whether you have a distinct perspective. I, I agree with that. Yeah. It's just that most people can't play at that budget realm so that you don't have a lot of comparison. Right. That's true. No, most people don't have $200 million yeah. to make a movie. But but there's still a lot of $200 million movies that get made. Still yeah, probably like what? At least but, 10 a year, 15 a year. But he also does a very specific kind of movie. Yeah. He's not doing like heavy genre movies. They're all action films. He's not doing romantic comedies. Yeah. Michael Bay, right? 
Yeah, they're always like teenage mutants. Like Quentin Tarantino. See, all right, now we're doing something else. Okay, we're talking about, you brought in a whole new... I feel like we're going to get at a weird point where Hannah's just our special. Yeah, she's like, yeah, yeah. So don't want you to do anything, just like show up. (laughs) Just radiate and just be... um, Show up and pitch in. In in, in the art world, we, we will accept that certain artists go through certain periods. Right? Right. And we go, oh, that was his blue period. Oh, that was his blah, blah, blah period. Or that was her whatever period, right? Yeah. And they develop and grow as an artist. And we allow that in the fine art world. And it's the same thing I feel like with, you know, with artists, directors, actors. So to pivot um, ungracefully, uh, <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> when you give a performer notes, are you trying to them to bring out their inner perspective and point of view, their inner auteur? Or is it something different? Like, is that part of it for you? Or is it more about making their performance, their reading of their scripted material or whatever the material is be emotionally true? Or is it a third thing? Wow, you ask such good questions. That is a really good question. And I thought it was a good pivot, too. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it was seamless. We hardly even noticed. Who is this guy? Yeah. (laughs) So... There's so many there's so many nuances and layers to that question. It's 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 insane. I basically said sum up your entire career, your <laughs> yeah, entire twenty yeah. years coaching actors yeah, yeah. in it's, ninety seconds. Right. So here's the thing: if you're doing, I hate doing this. There's a thing called a line reading, and so there can be the correct line reading, but that's mechanical, and you want to to move. be or not to be. That is the question. Like that. Did, um, I, did I get that line right? Yeah, um, it it's 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 it has some has some contextual aspects to it, but uh, the correct like who is it? Like someone knocks on the door and you can say who is it? Right? Uh-huh. There's a correct line reading to that line to some degree. Okay. Who is it? But then you start taking in you start taking into consideration or into context who the character is are they expecting someone all those other things you have to layer into that moment to have an authentic moment mm-hmm. um and then what you want to what you want to see here's the thing is that words actually no one speaks in dialogue let me say that again no one yeah speaks i saw a play dialogue. recently actually mm-hmm. yeah go ahead God, I feel so weird talking shit about like famous people. No, but then don't use their names. Just say you saw a play. I saw a at play. The perform. I saw a play in New York City, <laughs> directed by a very um, not not directed. Excuse me, written by an extremely famous playwright and Hollywood screenwriter. And there was a lot of Hollywood talent in it. With the initials of. <laughs> There's a lot of Hollywood talent in it, and some of it was amazing. But there was this one actor. It just sounded like he was reading. Right. Uh. Yeah. It sounded like in the intonation of what he was and he had monologues. Right. And it sounded like he was reading and I was really thrown because I've seen this actor in films mm-hmm. and really liked him. And I felt and I I thought it was just me like I'm hypercritical, mm-hmm. but I turned to my sister who I was there with and I mm-hmm. was like, "What did you think of X's performance?" And she's like, "Yeah, it just like it didn't feel like I wasn't into it." Okay, so And it was noticeable because they had such high-level talent. Right. That there was other talent in this that was like off the chart. So that, like, their performance was ridiculous. Right. So high contrasting of experience. Yeah. So here's so that's the essential thing of what just happens. So there's the li- there's the literal, there's the words, which our education system puts at, at a premium. Then there's the human experience, right? 
And the people that were like, wow, that was amazing, is they're going into the human experience. They're going into the thoughts and feelings of the characters. We can see the process going on. It's being created in the moment for the moment. Right. And then the other person is just giving you line readings. The problem with line readings is that if I'm sticking to the linear line, then I could read the material. I could read the material and get the same thing out of it. If I'm going with the inner life of the character, the, the, the actor, the performer is, is going through the thoughts and feelings of the character, and I'm seeing it happen in real time as if for the first time, then I'm inextricably drawn into that experience. And I cannot, I'm hanging on every word because I don't know what's going to happen next, just like a real person. Mm. That's the difference. Mm. So you can be technically proficient. That we used to call that a journeyman actor, you know, but it's not going to move you. Mm. And I say, then why not just stay home and read the play at home? Hmm. Because you're not getting anything else out of it. Could you say that for a good performance, you need both? Because you could be someone that maybe has a lot of emotion around something, but if you also don't have that technical piece, is it is something lost there? So emotion is emotion, and thoughts and feelings are different. Right. Because you have to have the thoughts and the feelings. If you just mm. have the feelings slash emotional life of the character and you're not thinking like the character, then that, that's like a peak experience and that won't create what I call a tracking. Because mm. you have to track it. Yeah. Otherwise, the person's emotional life can just go off the rails and it's like, well, after a couple minutes, you kind of go, oh, I don't know where I they are. I think sometimes when, when that happens, people feel actory to us. Yeah. They're like having this deep emotional experience, but they're not telling a story mm. it's off the i call it off the rails because it, it's not it's no longer tracking to what's going on within the character it's like brando on crack okay you know what i'm talking about yeah i do like in in what's the tennessee williams play the streetcar named desire. desire you know all those scenes in streetcar where he's doing this thing that they'd never seen i guess on film where he's emoting like a monster yeah and i think if that becomes too abstracted and emotional and feeling this is the effect that happens yeah, it creates a separation or a dissonance because then it, it's no longer real. It's like, well, they're just – or if we saw that in real life, we'd, well, we'd go like, wow, that person's losing it. Wait, but you sometimes talk to me about Ben Kingsley and you feel like he's one of the few actors that can do both. Like he's technically highly proficient, but he also has – comes at it from like an emotional feeling place. From his I, – I don't know him personally, but from his interviews, he, he, he tells people – I'm not saying it's true, but he tells people that he's a technician. Which and by technician does that mean like he's studying his hand movements constantly, his facial movements, he's trying to technically yeah. understand the exact pitch and intonation of every word in the script. Yes, like there's a highly technical approach to everything. Yeah, mm. yeah. So he's going after the I'll call it external just to make it brief. Okay. He, he works out from the external. But here's the thing: the the world is filled with like people go, oh, you have to work externally. Oh, you have to work internally. And I say, it doesn't make a difference because the ultimate performance that everybody wants is that you wind up in the middle. So you can go through the door of external or you can go through the door of internal. And I don't have a dogma. That's that, that's kind of what makes me unique in the sense of like, I don't care. And I'm well-versed in both. Okay, so let's take this to like a place so that like your average person, not your average, but people might care about like particularly Hannah, um, which is that like a lot of people are not necessarily going to be in a play, but they are going to have to get up and speak to people on the one end of the spectrum, maybe like what Hannah's about to do, which is go and read a story and to like a moth-like event mm -hmm. versus everyone to like giving a toast at a wedding or like 
talking in front of any group of people in a corporate or another environment, mm-hmm. right? Like we always know where we're bored, where it feels like someone's reading. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're trying to avoid mm-hmm. in a more practical way. Mm-hmm. And what is interesting to me about something I'm talking about is that you don't distinguish that and acting. Mm-mm. Like for you, like when I said to you, like, I want to become a better writer by maybe taking an acting class. Mm-hmm. Your response to me is like, go take a dramatic improv class. Mm-hmm. Because there's like, you can learn lines and you can develop some technical ability. Mm-hmm. But you're like, that's not the point. The point mm-hmm. is you have to learn how to what access your interior emotions as you're performing so that it feels authentic and real to an audience. And that could be mm-hmm. true of whether you're giving a speech at a corporate event or whether you're performing on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true? Am I, am I characterizing that properly? Yeah. I, 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 love, I, I love how you're not working on this episode. I, lo- I love how you're just like cruising and just, <laughs> well, like I'm just like, chilling. And I'm doing it all now. It's like, smoking I'm, a there's like cot in the corner I'm going to go lie down on as soon as you start working. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually some phone calls to make. You're amazing, man. This is you not working. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you shared a lot just now. And essentially, yes. It's because see what people think is they go oh I'm going to go to an acting class so I have to learn I have to learn how to you know get into my emotions and I'm like oh oh that's painful for me to hear because it has nothing to do like I know a lot of people are very tapped into their emotions but they couldn't act their way out of a paper bag you know what I mean it's like is that because they haven't been trained to access their emotions on command and that's what you're required to do when you're an actor. There's that aspect, but there's also the aspect of, of tapping into the character's point of view. So you can have all the emotional life that you want, but if you don't have any point of view, how the character thinks and feels in that moment, oh, in okay. tracking towards what they want, who am I, what do I want, it's for nothing. Right. And then there's people who have amazing ability. They have an amazing dexterity of the psychological profile of a character. That's great, but if you can't execute it, it doesn't mean jack. What does it mean to act, when you say execute, meaning they can know exactly how that character feels about every other character in the scene, how they feel about the environment they're in. But then it comes to a time to deliver the line about the time their mother died and they have no emotional reality there. You got it. Okay. Hmm. So are you ready to transition? Are we, are, are, are we ready, Hannah? Yeah, I'm just going to grab my water. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get you your water bottle. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. You know, we were supposed to have someone do craft services and we're supposed to have an assistant for Hannah. What happened? I can't believe this. She has to get it herself. Look at that. I'm still waiting for what was it, the granola bars that ever came. Oh, I have some for you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want one? I have a whole collection. I've got a kind bar. I've got... Really? I've got a Lara bar. I think I have two flavors of Lara bars. I have to say they're cashew cookie. Excellent. Really? Wow. Have you had one? No. Today could be your day. You want it now? You want to get ready? Probably not. I, I think it's better to have treats. I think it's better to have like treats. If 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 it goes well, then we can like incrementally. Yeah, yeah. that's not intimidating. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it it all st- so it's really individual. So the work we're about to do is totally based on whatever Hana brings to the space right now, and that's that's where we start. Okay. So how do you want? So Hannah comes in to your atelier and um how would you, i'm just kind of curious like how would you normally work with because you work with people and like yes. i'm curious like how would you normally what's your starting point w- whatever the person brings in right yeah because otherwise i'm i'm projecting something else on top of it and i, I need to work with what is okay so should we do you want hannah to start with a page yeah, yeah so um wh- here's here's the rule of thumb the rule of thumb is is that whatever notes exist in your piece mm-hmm. will most of the time repeat Okay. So to do one chunk, 
which is a technical term, right? Yeah. To do one chunk is to do everything in, in a certain sense. Different, more subtle nuances and, and things will shift as you go along in, in a story. But in general, to do the first two or three paragraphs is all we really need is our source material. Great. Okay. So let's, let's so jump in. Do you advise people to choose something they like, or what, what do you usually advise people to choose? Because like, if someone comes in with like a 10-minute piece, and we're only going to work on one minute, do you mm-hmm. care? You're like, it's all the same. Whatever's yeah. on the page seven is on page one is on page 43. In general, yes. Oh, okay. you know. um, sometimes how I work is I, just, I do beginning, middle, end. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes I go, I ask people to bring in the part that they love the most and the problem and the one that has the most problems. Gotcha. Because by working on the extremes, um, you can get some really good um, uh, forward motion. Okay. So the only thing I'm going to add is um, for those of you who are too lazy to listen to episodes one through three, um, <laughs> uh-huh. um, the general summary, do you want to summarize the story? Because it's yours, just so people know a little bit of context. Um. I don't really feel like I am in the headspace to do okay. that. So I'm just going to tell everyone the 25-second version. Um, this is an amazing personal story about Hannah's uh, meeting and eventual marriage to her husband, Sam. And it opens with her in uh, going to Oregon, Washington? Washington. Washington, excuse me. Apples. Uh, going to Washington to pick apples and... Uh, no, it was sweet peas? No, sweet peas. It was something... Yeah, like, I bet Jesus okay. Christ. <laughs> well, because I have an image. Because the image was imprinted no, here. I wasn't mad at you guys. I was mad at me. Oh, but it, no, it was the After, image of, of you being on your hands and knees picking <laughs> snap yeah. peas. All right, let's start and again. it made it such a, a powerful... This isn't going into the show. My <laughs> Alzheimer's is not going into the show. I, I love how... Okay, the editor speaks. Look, okay. so... In brief, this this is basically the story is basically about uh, Hannah's marriage to her wonderful husband Sam, and about how she felt she had to get married um, so they wouldn't be living in sin, and that so she could be in LA with him, and they could live together, and that it was financially possible because she came from a conservative Christian background, in which it would have been unacceptable uh, for them to live together and not be married in Los Angeles. And it's about the conflicted feelings that happen when you get married for that reason, and how mm. she felt before the marriage, and how she felt after, and the reverberations. Perfect. Is that better? Yeah. Jesus. That's, you know, I worked. Hmm. No details. I didn't have to cite any details. Uh, no apples, <laughs> no snap peas. <laughs> <laughs> but I find it really interesting that, see, we don't, rem- we don't remember stories. What we remember are moments. And if, and if a writer can create a moment that, like, burns into my thing and that I, I get a strong imprint like you on your I – have, I have an image of you on your hands and knees – uh, 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 harvesting snap peas, like in like in the sun is kind of like a late afternoon, and you know like a really warm kind of environment. Like that that imprint will never leave me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The one I have is um, I think it was. Didn't you look up at like a pine tree when yes. during the proposal? Yes. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you got it right. And and, and there was something about 17. and there's something about wind. Like there's like a, a, a there's some sort of movement, like a bird or a wind, or there's some noticing. There was an eagle. An eagle. A uh, stream. If you guys really actually want to hear it, you can go to last week's episode, <laughs> or you could just wait till the end of this episode, which, which we'll play him. Or maybe at this point, I made an editorial decision to play him at the beginning. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, the, the the important thing here that we're talking about though really is is that that's what that's what you're working. That's that's your ideal as a writer is 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 to find a moment that makes such an imprint that your audience doesn't forget it. If if you think about any of your favorite movies, any of them, it doesn't make a difference. You'll remember five or six moments that mm-hmm. make an imprint. Yeah. And that's what 
and that's the gold. You just need to sit back and relax now. Yeah, yeah, your heavy lifting is over after we've been a decade. Yeah. <laughs> now would be the perfect time to light up. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, you're. I smoke weed on the show. You should. First, give all your criticisms, and then we'll have you smoke weed live on the show and see what you think about it. Oh, I was so good. <laughs> have, you, have you seen Super High Me? No. Oh, that's the Doug Benson show. Uh, documentary where he smokes weed for 30 days oh, okay. and then he does like he does like IQ tests takes oh, the SAT God. like he tries to become a psychic like he does it all before and after wow that's funny you can imagine how this one ends <laughs> <laughs> that type of taking on that, that that seems like a person that is so opposite from me in so many ways in their existence <laughs> that's true it's great to have He's, all the uh, friends it's some impressive weed propaganda <laughs> So, I mean, does it matter to you what sections I read? Completely up to you. Should we just start at the beginning? Wherever you want. Okay. So, do I just read and then you'll stop me or what? We're going to read, we, we will read about three paragraphs-ish. Okay. Or what I call beats, you know, a major beat. So, read until you have the end of a major beat or scene. Oh, God. Okay, do you want Hannah to do some physical actor exercises? Yeah, that's right. The the actor prepares. This is the hardest part for me. No. Which part? Which part? Which part's the hardest part? Uh, like reading, reading it out loud. Reading it out to loud. Other yeah, people. that's tough. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's hard for me. That's so hard for me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. I was on my hands and knees, harvesting snap peas. It was hot, and we had been harvesting for hours. My hands, that used to be so soft, now had deep cracks in them with dirt that wouldn't wash away. I was 26 and working on an organic vegetable farm in Washington State for the summer. My literal job title was farmhand. My best friend from college, Lauren, called me up one day and she said, come to the farm. She said it would be a great opportunity to explore my interest in organic farming practices and then maybe I could write an article about it. I told her I would think about it. But the truth was, I didn't have a lot of other plans. A few months a few months prior, I had quit my corporate HR job in Austin, Texas, and moved back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, my hometown, with the idea that I would figure out a plan for my life. I was waiting tables and having regular panic attacks about my future, and enduring weekly Sunday lunches with my mother, who was thrilled I was back in town. God has, a, God has wonderful things planned for your life, she told me one Sunday. She had just come from church, which I had stopped going to. It says in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I fiddled with my sandwich, still hungover from the night before. I had started drinking more than usual since I moved home. And last night, I was out late with friends at a bar that offered $5 beer shot combo specials. If I wasn't going to physically be in church to hear the sermon, my mother would bring the sermon to me. "Uh Uh-huh, I said. Well, it's true, she insisted. And profit to the nations doesn't mean you have to be a missionary. We can bring Jesus's light to the world no matter where we are. (laughs) But, you know... I just want you to be happy. 
I know, Mom, I said. And just when I thought it was over, she said, The church offices are looking for a receptionist to replace Alice, who is going on maternity leave in June. That could be a good opportunity for you. My mother bit into her corn on the cob, making a popping, juicy sound, a sound that I had always hated. Why are they even serving corn on the cob at brunch? Actually, I decided to go work on a farm in Washington State this summer. There, it was decided. So I went to Washington to pull weeds and plant vegetables and live in a treehouse with no internet or cell phone service. And then a month before I left, I met Sam. He had just moved to Tulsa for a job and we were introduced at a concert. I noticed him because he was genuinely kind, unconcerned with being cool, full of fascination with people and life, and he had plans. He was going to be a filmmaker and move to a coast. He grew up in a small town in the Texas panhandle that barely survived the closure of a meatpacking plant, and pretty much all that remained was cotton fields and churches. I got the sense that he was on the run from a fate he had been born with, to settle down in Texas, have a bunch of kids, work in agriculture or construction, and go to church on Sundays. Being around him filled me with a sense of excitement for life. We spent all of May together, riding bikes, going to the lake, and cooking meals. He asked me to be his girlfriend after two weeks, and I said yes. Wonderful. Did that seem like a good stopping point? Fantastic. End of a major beat. Lovely. So, first of all, wonderful work. Excellent. Super excited. Um, It's interesting working with someone who's articulated and worked on your material so well, so you know the material so well. Mm. So what we're going to do is we're going to work on um, a little bit of structure and a little bit of point of view. Okay. Your connection to the material is, I know this is going to sound funny, but your connection to the material is amazing. Thank you. And that's important. People think, well, well, I wrote it. Duh. You know, it should be. Mm, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> you know, you can write material and not be connected to it in terms of sharing it, in mm-hmm. terms of, quote, unquote, performing it. So I want you to know that's spot on. And because you're the writer, we can also go in and, and uh, easily uh, adjust certain things to help what I call frame something. Because mm-hmm. um, part of it is performance. Uh, in terms of, of, of you reading it. And part of it is there's a little bit of structural things that need to shift just a little bit to help frame it. Okay. So I'm going to go to uh, a specific example of it that's not, you know, it's not linear here. We're just going to jump around. Um, let's go to uh, your friend Lauren. So... You're a, you said something about farmhand. Uh, I only write like chunks, right? Because mm-hmm. farmhand. My ne- next thing I wrote was Lauren. My best friend from college, Lauren, called me up one day and said, "Come to the farm." Great. Keep going or no? Yeah, that that's it right okay. there. So, this is where this is where is you start working in layers. So what you I just want you to know what you read and how you read it is completely um, functional. It's like no one's going to say, oh, that wasn't very good or that was boring. 
Mm-hmm. So let's just take that off the table, okay? Okay. So now we're going to take it to the next level. Great. Okay. So give me that line of dialogue again, please. My best friend from college, Lauren, called me up one day and said, come to the farm. Perfect. Right there. Okay. So did I ever tell you about my mother? Is this, are you asking me this? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Okay. I, I don't think so. When I said the word mother, did, did you have a, a feeling about how I felt about it? Yeah. Great. Same thing happens with Lauren. Mm. Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. And because we know, because the writer knows how they think and feel about Lauren, they don't always, or the actor, performer, don't always put it into the performance. Mm. And so now when you say the word Lauren, how the character thinks and feels about Lauren in that moment needs to come through. Mm. Okay. And that's going to that's gonna be a repeat, just so you know. We're going to do that with a lot of... There's only three things, well, anyway, yeah. The character has to have thoughts and feelings about every person mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the story. Okay, so let's go back to that and let's, and let's bring in how you think and feel about Lauren in that moment. Exactly. So I, I have to try to do that now. Is what, is what you're well, saying. <laughs> so how do you, th- how, how do you feel how, in, in, this, in this juncture of the story, What's your point of view about Lauren? Is she evil or is she or is she an angel? She's an angel. Great. So I just want you to notice that we went to a polarity. Right. And you got to go to polarities. Mm. If you go down the middle, well, she's my friend, but I wasn't really that close with her. No, mm. it's not going to help you. Yeah. So she's a godsend. Yes. Right? Yes. So let me hear that. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'm not sure how to do that. I'll you, try it. Well, go into the thought and the feeling of like, "Oh my god, she saved my life. I'll never I'll never remember I'll never forget the day when" I was saved. Mm. Okay, do it from the point of view of, of Lauren saved me. Just that chunk. Get the feeling. Get the feeling of Lauren saved my ass. Okay. From who? From my mother. Exactly. <laughs> okay, here we go. Do I start it from the beginning or just no, that just section? No, we're just going to jump in on that chunk. I might read it a couple of times. I feel like it's going to take me a second. To... You know what? Take your time to get the feeling going of like, oh, my God, I can't. I'll never forget how Lauren saved my butt. Oh, man, if it wasn't for her, God knows what the hell would have happened to me. And then and then lay out the, the line of dialogue. It's a feeling, not a thought. Hmm. Okay. My best friend from college, Lauren, called me up one day and said, come to the farm. My best friend from college, Lauren, I don't know, called me up one day and said, come to the farm. Okay, so my question to you is, Tell tell me tell me right now. Just forget about the line of dialogue. Okay. Just t- tell me right now. So okay. So then so then how the hell did you get out of that town so that you didn't have to go you know work at the church with your mom? What happened? My best friend Lauren uh-huh. asked me to come. Called oh, me up. And really? She just called you out of the blue. <laughs> she just called me. Oh up my god! And said yeah. Yeah, I was living in this terrible house, <laughs> and she came to visit and was like, "You should come to the farm." That's it. That's right. that's so right can I, there. Can I interject something? Yeah, right here. Um, but do, do you see the? Do, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you feel the difference first? Yeah. That's it. I think I'm struggling with combining that feeling with like 
the written. I understand. I, I get it. Yeah. I understand. I, I get it. Right. And this is the hardest thing for everyone is that like the, the feeling and the perspective is true. Uh-huh. But as soon as they try to read a line, they go someplace else emotionally and psychologically. Uh-huh. Which is why this is always not to go on a tangent, but both Bob Carlson, who Hannah and I um, took a class with, and other people have suggested people write bullet points when they write their personal stories mm-hmm. so that they cannot read. I don't think, you know, and I think this has always been my suspicion. I could be wrong. This is why the moth will not let you bring anything on stage to read. Because if you do, it's not like someone is telling you an intimate story. It is like someone is reading a piece of paper. And this is what's hard. And this is what's the hard thing about being an actor or a performer is saying, I'm now going to have lo- quote unquote line, something that is pre-written and I have to connect that with an authentic perspective and emotional experience. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have a solution to this problem. I'm just telling yeah. you that one of the ways that people circumvent this on the cheap is just to say, I'm going to write, bullet, instead of Hannah coming in with like a nine page written story, they're just going to say, right. I've got 15 bullet points. Yeah. So the, the, there's, there's inherent, there's inherent, it's a wonderful training device and it's a great technique to develop and it's good for you know a bunch of things there, there's a lot of there's a lot of upside to working that way and there's no i'm not down on that i i, I work with that as well however if you want to do 12 performances mm. you cannot authentically work that way because even if you don't have the words written down in front of you you still will go into repetition Oh, that's an interesting point. You're saying that, like, after a while, you'll kind of know what comes next, and then you'll start to sound like you're, you'll t- you'll start to switch off a little emotionally. Would you like fries with your order? Would you like fries with your order? So Would you like fries with your order? So you're saying, like, if Hannah takes bullet points and sits in a room all night and r- does it 15 times, by the time she performs it, it will sound... Hmm. If you cut off from your inner life, you've cut off from your inner life. And it doesn't make a difference if it's okay. because of it's because of the words on a page, or if because it's high repetition, or because you're scared shitless, or because it, there's a million and one reasons of why you're going to go off. Okay. But the training is is to be able to connect my thoughts and feelings and how I think and feel about the individual. It's a person, place, or thing. There's only there's only three things: persons, places, and things. And I have to connect emotionally to every person, place, or thing. And if I don't have a point of view about that person, place, or thing at every moment, I'm like, I'm just reading lines. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be in a fun, authentic way. So one of the things I'm going to ask you, which is, who am I talking to? What do you mean? Well, who, who are you telling the story to? Oh, who am I telling the story to? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I hadn't Ex- thought about exactly. that. So are you saying I should... Imagine a specific person, a group of people. Mm-hmm. Or pick, yeah, pick it. Yeah. Pick, a per- oh, pick a person. Yeah. Make it real. Make it real for you. Are you telling your best friend? Are you telling a support group? Are you, you know, mm. and it doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to track to your story. What is important is that it tracks to you opening up the way you need to open up to tell your story. Like, for instance, if you were telling this story in front of your AA group, Oh, sh- I shouldn't have said that. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but if, if you were, if you were um, uh, telling that in front of your AA group, it would be different than if you were telling your girlfriend from college that you hadn't seen in 10 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Right? There, there, yeah. would be a, there would be a difference. For sure. So 
because that's going to that's going to impact how you roll out the story. I'm giving you so many moving parts right now; it's insane, and you're doing so well. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to think of who I, who I should be telling a story to. I should probably find someone that I what feel very comfortable talking to. Is that a good? Yeah, you because it's a it's an intimate story. It's not like one that you tell to someone at a coffee shop on the fly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone who knows you, right? Mm-hmm. So pers- it's called personalization. So you'd personalize it. Hmm. I was thinking like an anti-marriage support group. But there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like finding some thinking about someone that's close to me is actually makes it more stressful. Uh, like it's better to, th- to think of someone that I don't know somehow. I don't yeah, know. like the white guy with dreads in the back of the coffee shop. Oh yeah, that's who you're talking about. It could come in handy for him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> or like the Wives Against Marriage Facebook group. Just kidding. Uh, now, so, I know what you're talking about, though. Like if, if you do imagine, well, you, if you imagine telling something to someone, it helps you get out of your head a little bit. Don't you mm-hmm. think? It's more than that. It, you, you approach the material differently. We like had this conversation how, how before. I roll, how I roll out my story will be different depending upon who I'm talking to. Yeah. And if, and if there is no change, then there's something, there's something not in alignment. Can I just say, not to go on a tangent, but we yeah. had this conversation last year about A Star is Born, the Lady Gaga-Bradley Cooper movie, in which yeah. I said, I felt that Lady Gaga was much better in the scenes where Bradley Cooper was there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you said it's because when you're with someone... She has someone to anchor into. Right. Who's who's top of top of the game too? He's not he's not floundering either. You know he can really support her. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's the same thing here. It's like who am I talking to? What what response do I want to elicit? Yeah. Okay. It's it, communication is a two way street. And if see the problem is that people think oh I'm doing a monologue or I'm telling this whole story for the next you know ten minutes and I'm like no 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 the character the character doesn't know that they're going to talk for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one knows they're going to talk for 10 minutes. Right. It's only at the end you go, oh, wow, I talked for 10 minutes. Mm. Yeah, I see I'm, what you I'm mean. I'm telling a story. I'm telling a story to my friend. Okay, now, yeah. I think I just had to find someone that felt like the right fit. Uh, because I think is the issue is that when I write, I'm actually much more vulnerable than I am in real life with a lot of people. So when I'm thinking about telling this to someone, I'm like, I wouldn't be this honest. <laughs> Oh yeah, but that's true of everyone. So how would you see here? But see, see, like we tell we tell the truth all the time, but through our behavior, we soften it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's that's what I would want you to bring to the performance. Hmm. Does that make sense? Um, not sure. Okay. Not sure if that makes sense exactly. I have I have someone in mind now. Okay. So, okay. We'll, we'll try it. I'll try that. Let's so let's kick it from the beat before the Lauren thing, just so you have a little a little lead in that'll help too. Okay, and but we're still working on the Lauren thing. The Lauren thing, yeah. So this time I'd like you to put the page down, and and do it and do it on a riff, just based on what you remember. Based on what I remember. Yeah. Okay. And get the feeling going first. Okay. And then connect with the person that you're talking to. You can go ahead and use Adam as if as if Adam's that person. Mm-hmm. So yeah. should I be looking at yeah. Adam? Yeah, look at Adam and and, 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 and turn him into that person, though. Okay. Like, see, who, who are you going to use? You don't have to give me the name. Just, you know, like a girl, a guy. Yeah, my friend Abby. Okay. So you're so, Abby now. <laughs> so t- turn, turn him into Abby. He, he softened his eyes. I like that. 
And then spend a moment connecting with her, Abby. Okay. And then go into that space of what you're really telling her about, about the mom and the this and the that, and then just let it roll. I was... So I was working on, or, on an organic vegetable farm when I was 26. My literal job title was farmhand. And this started because my best friend from college, Lauren called me up out of the blue one day and said, come to the farm. And she thought that I could, I had expressed an interest in organic farming practices. So she thought that I could maybe write an article about it. I told her I would think about it, but in reality, I didn't have anything else going on in my life. Okay, great. So how did did that feel? It felt good. It felt like more conversational. Yes. You felt more, I saw you being more connected. Mm-hmm. You had real thoughts and feelings, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Okay. So we're going to go to the next part of this aspect, which is the writing aspect. So Lauren has one line of dialogue. What's, that, what's, her, what's her line of dialogue? Come to the farm. Right. And then after that, you go into to not her dialogue, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, I go into talking. Oh, oh okay, I got it. I go into talking about to summarize like her argument right for why I should go right yeah so how would you feel uh, now I'm talking to the writer I'm not talking to the performer mm-hmm. anymore I'm talking to the writer writer how would you feel about making that dialogue as opposed to backstory yeah that's a good idea that will make it more personal mm. so go ahead and make that adjustment and make all of that her talking to to you in real time okay and then make your response to her real talking mm, to mm-hmm. her. So this is this is tuning your script to performance. Interesting. Because it makes it much more clear. Otherwise we we as a listener get it's not that I get lost, it's just not it's not clean. Is some of that just the reality that we speak differently than we write? Yeah. Absolutely. And also if if you're going through the medium of words, we track it differently than if we're auditorily connected to it, auditorily connected to it. Right. And is that a problem with some playwrights, is that they write the way words are written, not the way they're spoken? Yes. And so it then falls on the actor to try to make it sound yes. like dialogue. Yes. And sometimes that's not possible. Yes. That's why you hear, that's why that phrase is, oh, he, that writer has a real ear for dialogue. Was this what you were talking about in Baby Driver? When the woman who played the love interest of the lead mm-hmm. had some of those lines in the diner, where it's like, <gasps> "I just want to go out west and ride," oh and like gosh. The, it was like poetry almost, but like bad poetry. And then that, and you came out after you saw it. We'd both seen it, but you were like, "That actor did an amazing job." I, I, I'm I'm literally getting a chill up my spine right now just remembering what an amazing job she did as an actress with that dialogue. In, in lesser hands or mouth or whatever you want to say, that would have like sunk that ship so fast. Yeah. She, I, I don't even know who she is. She's, um, she, was, she did an amazing, amazing work in that film. Yeah, yeah. Who, who is she? I don't know. I wanted to look her up because it was sort of interesting. It was, it's not that often that you can notice something in a script that sounds bizarrely like it was not written for anyone to speak ever. Like poetry, you know, you read a poem, right. you're like, this is not written for anyone to speak colloquially. Right. Right. And it sounded 
not quite like that, but it's, yeah, there's a scene where she's on the phone in the diner and she's talking into it like she's reading poetry to her boyfriend. Because they're creating intimacy because his language is the language of music and song and that's yeah. how they connect. So, I mean, I can justify it. I can justify it as a writer, as a director, but as an actor, you have to perform it. That's a whole nother yeah. ball of wax. Okay, so... Okay. Hannah has retuned some of what she wrote in her opening. Okay, now I'm, I'm now I'm going to ask you. Now this, okay, I'm really clear. So that that's that's a very clear tune-up. Now, this has to do with your style. So I would never interrupt your mm-hmm. style. Okay. So when you roll it out, you say, uh, "My best friend from college, Lauren." Yeah. Which is different than Lauren. Oh, my, you know, my best friend from college. Right. Same data but laid out differently. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about which way to share it? There's no right or wrong on I that. I mean, I think Lauren could maybe I think Lauren could maybe go first. It might open the door for it to be more conversational. Yeah. It, I think it's more conversational. That's how normally you might say it. Lauren. Oh, and as if you know, uh, Lauren and the person goes, "Oh, she was my best friend from college." Right. If you're talking to someone who doesn't know Lauren, or needed a reminder. Mm-hmm. See, so it goes back to who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Because my, here's the thing, is that the script does not exist. Yeah. The only reason I say, you know, as my friend from college, is because I said Bob, and the other person went, huh? Right. Oh, and then, and then it's fresh energy, as opposed to my friend from college, Lauren. Mm-hmm. And so it depends upon how, what you want to communicate to your friend. That's really what's more important. And also your writing style, both. And how the character... Yeah. Well, it's interesting because if I'm imagining Abby, she knows who Lauren is, so mm-hmm. I would never say my best friend from college. But if I'm performing this somewhere, I randomly say Lauren and then move on, people are going to be like, who is that? Right. Right. So you just you just put your your foot in something huge, which is this balance between be, being real and taking care of the audience, mm. right? So you can't lose the audience because that w- they would be Lauren, who's Lauren, and mm-hmm. there's no context. So you have to give context, but at the same time, you don't want to like over-explain it, right? And that way, you kind of cheat it by saying Lauren. The person goes, "Huh? Oh, oh, oh! You know, my friend. From, oh, yeah, 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 yeah." And then you create this little relationship loop. Mm. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. If I said, "You know, Lauren, g- g- I'll go, g- give me, give me like question eyes when I say, okay. okay. So, um, so Lauren, uh, oh, you know, it was my best friend from college. Um, anyway, so she had called me and said, "Right." I see that. Yeah. So you do it any way you want. No, I like that. We're all ears. I like that. Okay, so now I'm reading this again to Abby, or just yeah, yeah. You're you're perf- you're you're sharing your story performing. with your friend. Okay. And, um, and take take your time. What's the, the part of it is also your mindset. Like, where do you go before you start your line? Before you start sharing your story? Where do I go in my mind? Like bef- right like right before I'm doing this, mm-hmm. I just try to. I'm just trying to think about Lauren and like what I think, what I feel about her, and how mm-hmm. I would. No. no, that's not going to help you because okay. you already know how you think about Lauren. Lauren is a angel. Yes. So what do we think about? It, like talking to Abby? A human being. What does a human being think about most? Their problems. Uh-huh. Most human beings don't think about what they're grateful for. 
they think about what a what a tight spot I was in. Mm. So go to your problem. Oh, okay. You already have the line of dialogue, which is the solution. Yeah. Lauren's the solution. Oh, I see. You have to start with your problem. Okay. In your mind's eye. So I have the problem, and then I'm getting ready to kind of tell you. So what's your problem? The solution. Um, the problem was that I didn't have anything going for me and didn't have a direction. Nope. That's not the problem. Nope. That's a state. You're, you're in a state like that. What was the problem? The problem uh-huh. in, in this moment, in this uh-huh. part of the script. Yeah, in your, in your, in your life, yeah. in your life, mm-hmm. what was your problem? I guess I'm not sure. You, you were close when you said you were sort of aimless and not doing anything. You're yeah. close. That's part of it. But there's there's something that's creating a pressure. Oh, right. So, like, I didn't have a plan. There was pressure to do something with my life from my mother, but also, uh-huh. I think, from myself. You have internal pressure, but she's having she's externalizing the pressure because yeah. of? Because... Because of God. <laughs> I don't know. Because of maternity leave and there's a job. Oh, right. Because of maternity leave and also I think because of uh, like the expectations of Christianity. That maternity, she... maternity leave. Okay. Because the, the reason why I'm being so definitive yeah, sure. is because the Christianity aspect mm-hmm. exists your whole life. Mm. You being lost and listless exists to some degree, varying degrees, you know, for a long period of right. time. But what's bearing down on you right. is that your mother is saying, I have I have a solution for you, honey. Right. Here's a job that's going to be offered and, and it's ready for you in two weeks. Mm. And you go, Mom, I'd love to take that job, but I already committed to going to a farm. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So that's the pressure that's exerting on you that you roll. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was so good here. I'll give it to you. I was so close. I mean, my, my she was just bugging me every single day. Was, when are you going to take the job? Have you called me? Have you called me? I was like, oh, no, mom, I haven't. And then my friend Lauren calls. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, man. Yeah, that's it. And now take, you see the pressure you feel? See the pressure you feel right now? That's the pressure you have as a performer? Mm-hmm. Take that pressure on as if it's your mother bearing down mm-hmm. on you and mm-hmm. use it to your advantage. That's integration. Wow. I like that. Go ahead. Um, okay. Go to the problem. Okay. The pressure. The The pressure. Oh my God, I was so close to getting that job at the church. Oh my God. Lauren, Lauren, my friend from college, called me up one day out of the blue and she said, come to the farm. Then Lauren, my best friend from college, called me up one day and said, come to the farm. You can learn more about organic farming practices. Maybe you could write an article about it. And I was like, okay, I'll think about it. But in reality, I didn't have any other plans. Um, I don't know. The rest is, of it. is that the end of the beat? Okay, that's the end of the beat. How, how did that feel? Uh, it felt good. Okay. You, it's kind of trying it on, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're, get, you're getting closer because you're actually discovering the actual inner life of the character. Mm yeah totally of, of why she's talking about what she's talking about mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm we're going to do a different exercise with this now now what i want you to do is i want you to tell me tell adam or your best friend the story without 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 anything like just just 
just straight up, just riff it. Starting from the same place? Starting from uh, oh, that summer was tough mm -hmm. because my mom was really bearing down on me. And then out of the blue, mm. right? Yeah. Okay. And But no, no reference to your script. Just okay. however you want to lay it out. All right. Talk about the pressure of that summer okay. before you suggest. <clears throat> that summer was really hard. I had the weekly brunches with my mom, and every week it was like Bible verses and examples of people in our community that were getting married and having babies, and it was just bearing down on me, and she had all these expectations for me to make a move, and then this job opportunity came up at the church, and she really wanted me to take it. And then Lauren my best friend from college called me up and said, you should come to the farm. You could learn more about organic vegetable practices and then maybe you could write an article about it. And I said, I'll think about it. But in reality, there was nothing there for me in Tulsa that I had going on. Okay. How'd that feel? It felt good. I feel like it's helpful to not look at the script to get away from the written words to try to get more into the character's point of view mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the feeling of it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And also what's leading, what's what's causing the characters to say the words that they're saying, Yes. right? Because yeah. you, you found that, you found mm -hmm. that this time in terms of that pressure from the external forces forcing this decision. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you wouldn't have made this decision. Right. That's why you're so spot on when you say Lauren's an angel. And that's why the writer wrote an out of the blue. That was my hint. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Out of the blue. Yeah. Positive, lucky stroke. Now, you do a turn on your line, and that's why that's where it starts to break down, okay. what, I, what I heard from your inner life. Mm -hmm. You do a turn where, you, where your, your friend goes, hey, you know, why don't you come to the farm? We can do organic, and it'll be fun. And then, oh, my God, you can even write an article and get paid. It'll be amazing. And then you, are, and then you respond with, how do you respond? I'll think about it. Debbie Downer, right? <laughs> You're like, well, I don't know. Totally. I'll have to get back to you. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, like how Adam responds sometimes when I throw out ideas. When he pitches. When he pitches. <laughs> Latest <laughs> idea. He's like, I got a great idea. Well, that's really interesting. Let me get back with you. You're right. I'm amazing you. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, 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 then, and then you do a, a deeper reveal. The reality, I had nothing going on. I don't even know why I even said that. Yeah. Right? But that's what you reference in order to get yourself out of the trap that your mother puts you in a week later. Mm -hmm. And then exactly. all of a sudden you're like, I'm going. Can't stay. Love this day in chat, mom. But I'm out to the farm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, uh, we had some structural notes on this in mm -hmm. previous episodes, but mm -hmm. it is something that to think about is that when there's a question that the response is going to be a decision for the character. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm mentioning it because it's playing out a little bit in the performance I heard. Yeah. Any space you can give between the decision and the question heightens the suspense of both the audience and the character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was picking up a little bit when you... First off, it was completely authentic. I was there with you the whole time. My only thought was... My only feeling really as you were doing it was the end where it said, where the mother, you know... Where you say, I'll think about it and then immediately make the decision. Oh, I didn't really have anything else, so I went. So, mm. so, so I call that the, the tracking. That's the tracking of the inner life of the character. It just felt anticlimactic. That's what yeah. I'm pointing out to you. Where? Where in, 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 what, in, in, this perf in this performance when she's talking about the experience with Lauren or when she's... So I know she's unhappy in her current situation. Lauren calls and says, hey, 
why don't you come to the farm, right? Right. Okay, now I don't know. I'm like, what's she going to do, right? right? Mm-hmm. And then the the character says, in reality, I didn't have anything else going on. Right. right. And so I immediately know the decision. Well, she already gave the decision. Right. It's she, at the she's, top. she's like, no, she's saying, no, I'm, I'm just talking about that beat. She's saying, well, let me think about it. And I'm, let me think about it basically means no. Uh, in f- from the tracking of the character, she, it's not. She's not embracing this. Right, idea. right, right. She, no, it's not a yes. That. It's not a yes, and it doesn't sound like it's going to bode well. I, I get pushback. Well, um, this does. Well, that's all the more. Sorry, Hannah. Oh. That's all the more reason why I would want to delay the eventual disclosure of what she actually decides, because now I think she's going to go one way, and then we can make it go another. Well, because she, but she, she responds with Debbie Downer. Right, I'll think about it, which means like that's, I'm stuck. I'm staying here. Uh, that's Debbie Downer. That's a no. Right. F- from a tracking point of view. Right. The only reason that she, the only reason that you move off your point of view is because the external force becomes too high a week later, and then all of a sudden there's a shift because she's taking that road out of of her pressure. Let me ask a question, Hannah. How did you actually feel about going to Washington? In real life. I mean, I was really excited about it, but it's true that um, it was a nice opportunity that, that arose when I didn't have anything else going on. It was the lesser of, um, here I am interpreting, it's the lesser of two evils. It's like she has the evilness of, of hanging out and, and working at a church or the unknown of going to a farm. And given that decision, the character picks the farm, but only picks it under duress of her mother's pressurizing. The, I'm talking about the character, I'm not mm, talking about you. Yeah. The pressurization of 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 her mother saying you got to take you know because i want you pregnant in a year with your husband too and you know it'll just follow the line all i can say is like as an audience member there was mm-hmm. some moment where i wanted more either excitement or an emotion and more more energy going into that decision and what i felt when the line was delivered is i didn't really have anything else going on so mm. that that and, and i'm wondering maybe that was authentically what was going that was the feeling you had like uh that moment i of- didn't really have excitement about any of this Right. That moment that you're talking about would be the moment with, with, in, in, in the brunch with her mom. Because that's the, that's the turn. There's no turn here. I do see what you're saying, though. Because then we kind of feel like the main character doesn't even care about going to the farm. They're just doing it because they don't want to be where they are. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm just... Yeah, you're right. That's the tracking. That's, and, and if you want to change the tracking, you can. But that's the tracking that's mm-hmm. happening right now. Okay. Well, and you feel like you feel like that last line should be cut then, because it'll change the tracking if you do, which is fine. Um, I think what I'm experiencing is wanting, from a writing perspective, maybe the energy dips. I don't know how else to describe it. The energy dips for me as an audience member. It does. Mm-hmm. And because be, be, here's why yeah. you, you're you're letting the air out of the sails. Yeah. She, you're you're introducing hope for the character, and the character doesn't take it, and she goes for a, a dive. It's true. You're absolutely right. No, no, no. I'm not even, I'm not talking about just this as I'll think about it. I'm thinking about when she says, well, I didn't have anything else going on. That doubles down on I'll think about yeah. it. Yeah. And I'm not saying these things are good or bad, right or wrong. I'm saying like from like, if I were going to write this fictionally, mm-hmm. that would be the moment where I would increase the stakes for the character, right? Mm. She would hang up the phone and then the mother would walk in and say, you know what? I, I just saw this really good Christian man at church. And it's someone who you really don't like. Mm-hmm. And um, he's coming over for dinner tonight and every night for the next two weeks. He's staying with us. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, like, and I thought you guys and I got you guys tickets to go see a basketball game together. You know, like that's the moment where I would increase the pressure on the character. 
and so that I the decision you know like that's that's what I was responding to like energetically and this is really like nitpicky and like crazy not, crazy not, not, it, it has to do it has to do with it has to do with rhythm and timing of how you roll yeah. out the story mm. if if you were to if you if I were to work at that level I would say take that conversation with your friend and then have your brunch the next morning mm. which right. is essentially yeah, what you're essentially saying, what I'm saying. So, so you're connecting the dots right now right. i think i think it's a week like and then the following week i had brunch with my mom cuz i'm just saying like then you have yeah. leverage and motivation for you to deliver the line right it's not just that you didn't have anything else going on it's that you had something pushing you away right from tulsa it's the like it wasn't super excited like there's something there that you want to get away from so so mm-hmm. so, so let's use our language choice point if if it you, that's why that's why you said oh it's because i had nothing going on i'm just sort of floating i'm like no that's a state of being right do not mix that up with choice point so under under a, a regular situation if i'm creating the narrative i would have your mother go you can't you can't keep living with us unless you take this job at the church mm-hmm. and she's leaving and yeah and you can bring in the thing about the nice young man right and then your friend is over here. It's like, hey, um, uh, I, I got a free bus ticket for you to come on out. And the job starts uh, May 4th. Mm, right. Choice point. Mm-hmm. Now it's okay. very well delineated. So, th- so then you start doing this hybrid of both performance and, and writing notes. Yeah, yeah. No. I, I mean, I was honestly, I mean, you can always give writing notes and st- work on things structurally forever. Yeah. I was more curious about how the structure of the way that was rolled out was, mm-hmm. imp- was impacting her delivery of the emotion around that line. That's what I was curious about because the emotion dipped and I thought, well, here's our first major choice point. Is the character going to go to Washington? Let's try to deliver it in a way. That's a structural problem. Right. I I agree. But it's a structural problem that I think if it was corrected in a different direction would set that line up to be more interesting and emotional for the audience. But that would be the next beat. It's the next beat that's the remedy. I just think I think the tension. Right. It's not that I disagree. It's that I think the tension could be ramped. And then we could get a response. But it's only in juxtaposition to the next beat. Because, because by you, unless you want to cut, but I really had nothing else going on that summer. But what if she says something like, the, the farm is presented and on the phone she's like, wow, that sounds awesome, but I just don't know. I have da 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 da. And then we go into the brunch and then she's like, actually, I'm going to the farm. So th- what, what, so what you're talking about now is, again, tracking the inner life of the character. Yeah. Is, is, is it is it something see if she's too excited then she could just just say you're right i'm leaving i'm out of here mom i'm i'm leaving yeah now it's not now it's not there's no choice mm-hmm. it's only under that duress that the mother's coming down on her that the choice is pressed exactly yeah yeah i mean yes i'm i'm picking up on structural things i've seen in other in other parts of the story mm-hmm. and we've worked on this in other episodes where it's like a decision is proposed and then immediately we get the response and we have done, we've worked on this. We're saying, can we move, can we stretch that so that there's more of an emotional buy-in and there's more suspense for the audience? And that's just what I'm picking up here. I agree with you. You know, that's all I'm saying. And I'm saying like, if we did that, it would give Hannah, the performer, an opportunity to be more in that moment of, Oh my God, I'm unhappy at home. What am I going to do? Do I go to Washington? What, you know? See, okay, so how I, I would identify mm-hmm. that as a reversal. So instead of just saying, well, I had nothing really else going on, just like, I don't really know about getting my hands dirty. I mean, so then we go back into that. Are you, are you country or are you city? Mm. Who are you? I'm city. So if you're city and someone offers you country, you're like, mm, resistance on country. Yeah. Right? And then 
And then it's like, mm, not really my scene. The next moment, mother comes in, pressure. You know what? That sounds great, Mom. I'd love to, but I'm going to a farm. What? Which is the reversal, which is what you're talking about. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, Adam. Adam's still not there. Adam's no, still I understand. Like, I, I get it. I, I, we're trying to intellectualize like a human response I had. No, it's not. No, it's like it's, my it's, response it's was merely that when the line was delivered, yeah, it felt like I didn't really have anything else going on. No, so I felt that. I felt like this there was something. Working. I felt it in her voice. There was something there. It wasn't even a question of working or not working. It was just like, oh, this in this tiny moment, I am just being delivered the next plot line, the next the next mm-hmm. plot point, rather than me being there. And sort of have a fuller experience of who this, what this character's decision is going to be. The same way when in previous episodes when we do the scene of the engagement, it just happened too energetically. It happens too quickly for me, for me to feel completely like I want to be engaged with the character. But here I'm just picking up on it because I felt it in the tone of voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what to do about it is a separate question whether anything should be done about it whether it's authentic because the character felt ambivalent in the moment is a separate question that might have been the appropriate emotional tone to hit because that's actually what the character feels is like well I really don't have anything else and my life is and I'm kind of a Debbie Downer right now and I don't have anything going on in my life so I'm guessing I'm going to Washington as opposed to I stayed up all night and then my mother knocked on the door and she said we had to go to church in three hours. We had to be there early that morning again to set up. And I looked at a photo of Washington on my computer and I thought, I'm going to Washington. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm pointing out. So I call that, I call that the, track, the, the tracking of the inner life of the character. Right. And you can, you can set up that tracking in multiple ways, but we as an audience have to track it. And I agree in the way it's rolling out right now is that there is a dip in energetically. I had nothing else going on, but it's not, it's not being fed by anything. So it's just sort of like, I call it letting the wind out of the sails. We're just sort of like stuck. And that's why the next beat is so important because it needs to like move the character to make a choice. Okay. I didn't take us on a tangent, but... No, it was a tangent. It was a good one. All right. So we've gotten to this point where... Hannah's starting to practice doing performance without written script in front of her. And she, it sounds like you're having the experience of like now it feels more real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And the delivery is feeling like someone is talking to us rather than someone is reading. Mm-hmm. Which is always good because we're going to be more interested in this character. The next logical question that anyone's going to ask is like, what do people do if ultimately Hannah does want to work off a script because she's a very good writer and she's going to want to craft that written piece so, so the way she wants to craft it right so what we have to do this is the work that we're actually doing which is tracking the inner life of the character mm-hmm. if you don't have a sense if you don't know that the tracking of the inner life of the character you have nowhere to go but the written word mm-hmm. so when you were working on that beat you were going to my friend lauren but the tracking of the inner life of the character is i need to get the hell away from living here Yes. So you can you can you can work all day long on my relationship with Lauren, but that's not the tracking of 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 the character's concerns. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're rehearsing. We're rehearsing the stuff that floats below the lines. And then when you get that tracking and it's real for you, then the words, just like in life, will float on top. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. Does that make sense to you? That's what we're working on. 
Awesome. And that's why people go, I go, yeah, I spend about, I spend about an hour per minute of script. And they're like, no way. I'm like, yeah. Wow. About. So I'm curious, like if someone is. That's what we're doing right now, right? If an actor is doing scene work and they're doing a specific, uh, it's a little weird because sometimes dialogue is rapid fire. But do you ever ask them to just forget the script and respond to each other in their own words and then ask them to go back to the actual written script later? Which is what we were doing before. Which which is what we're doing here, basically. Integration. That's a that's a process of integration. So you're going to give yourself the sense of what it of what it is or what it could be, and then go back or go forward and integrate that experience into the words that you are obligated to say because you have a script and you have to match the different takes and all the technical things that go on in making a film or or having a lighting cue on stage or etc. Because certain people are waiting for your lighting, you know, they're they're waiting for certain words to be said in order for a lighting cue to go, right? You can't just unless you do it off of a physical gesture. Shall we? Shall should we, should we go on to another beat? Should we go on to another beat? Yeah. What, what do we want to do next? Well, hold on, Josh. I, okay. I mean, this is your show, but like, I have a question. <laughs> Adam, you're still fun. This is I want I want to see the so integration. Fun. Like, I want to see her go back to the what she's written and do it with the emotion that she did when she wasn't reading it. That's what I want to see the completion. Oh. Right? Am I wrong? Like, isn't that what we... Because sh- that's the skill set I want. I mean, not that we're going to mm-hmm. finish everything today, but that's like what Hannah's going to have to do when she goes and looks at the full 10 pages. So right now there's there's like, um, you know, like when you fill a glass, you know, mm-hmm. you fill a glass and then the glass taps out and so you can pour as much more water than you want, but 16 ounces is all it's going to hold. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. All right, let's go to the next beat. I feel like I could do it. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> you feel like you're there? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can try it. I think it's interesting. Okay. I'll try one more read. Sure. With the with actual paper. Don't. I hate how you have to think about this. That's all right. All right. Abby. <laughs> Hi, bestie. <laughs> <laughs> all this pressure. Okay. <clears throat> so then Lauren... My best friend from college called me up out of the blue and said, come to the farm. You're interested in organic vegetable farming. You can learn about it. Maybe you could write an article. And I said, okay, yeah, I I don't know. I'll think about it. The truth was I didn't have a lot of other plans. Okay. How'd that feel? Oh, good. I mean, I still wasn't totally reading totally integrating it but it, it felt like a good step it's 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 all gradation it's all gradation now yeah you know what i mean yeah because to have the expectation that it's like 100 percent is not it's not realistic yeah so th- i thought it was great i think if you think about where you were when you first read it 45 minutes ago it's noticeably different yeah absolutely you with the magic of editing you can make it <laughs> side by side <laughs> um so like if if i were to take it to the next like the next gradation uh-huh. when you're when your friend lauren says what she says yeah What's her expectation? She's trying to convince me to come. I got that. Yeah. What's her expectation? Her expectation? Mm-hmm. Like what does she think is going to happen or mm-hmm. what? What's her expectation? What, what is she, what's her expectation of how it's going to be received by you? In other words, how well do you know each other and what is her expectations in relationship yeah. to what she's saying? We know each other very well and she knows that I'm going to be questioning and resistant. Right. You're, you're going to be Debbie Downer, right? Mm-hmm. So when, so when <laughs> your friend knows that you're going to be Debbie Downer, what is your, how does your friend compensate or how do they shift their behavior in relationship to their expected response from you? 
She tries to make it sound even better than exactly. it is. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we need to hear. Yeah. Okay. So let's do it. Um, okay. Again? Make up the words this time because because my sense is that it would be the dialogue would be slightly different. Sure. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay. So so embellish that just like your friend would actually do. Mm-hmm. Does your friend have cats? No. Any pets? She's allergic to like all animals. All animals. Does she have children? Mm-hmm. She's on a farm. No. How does she how does she lure you in? Like 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 what what approach does she use? I think just like hanging out together, having because she she works on the farm. Right. So. right. But what approach does she use in terms of this moment? Does she use the approach of like <gasps> You know, like like cheerleader approach, mm-hmm, or yeah. is she like a teasing approach? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. everyone has different. So what approach is she using? Yeah, she's using cheerleader approach. So then, so give me cheerleader. Was she a cheerleader? Was she like a, a drill team flag uh, member? I don't know. No, I don't know. Who was her mom a cheerleader? Because, sure. because she taps. Because we need to tap into your character's that character's point of view. Right. Right. And she thinks or feels that if I can I can present it in a certain way, I'll be undeniable, and she'll have to say yes. <gasps> Totally. Right? Yeah. Come on, it'll be fun. I'm yeah. a camp cheerleader. I'm a camp counselor. I know this stuff. We can roast marshmallows, right? Yeah, yeah. So imbue it with that. Okay. Whatever's real for you. Uh, all right. So then Lauren, my best friend from college, called me up out of the blue and said, you should come to the farm. It'll be awesome. You can live next to me. We'll hang out all the time and work together. And you're already interested in organic farming, so you can learn about it, and then you could write a great article. And I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, I'll think about it. But the truth was, I just, I really didn't have anything else going on. Yeah, how did that feel? You being Lauren, I want to really specific. You being Lauren, how did that feel? Yeah, I mean, it felt it felt like closer to how it should Mm -hmm. be. It did. It did feel closer, didn't it? What What's missing in in Laura's approach? Lauren's approach. Um, There's an element missing in her approach to you. I'm not sure. You list off like three or four things that are really cool, Uh but she doesn't bring it home to the thing that you would want. Oh, like space, like living. Far away. Not. I'm not. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what she think it would be because that's a character thing. Uh-huh. So, like, if you were if you were monetarily driven, you you, she would say, and you know, at, at the end of it all, you could write this amazing article and sell it to the New York Times, and then and then that would like launch you as a writer. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Mm. And then you get to know all these things about about fertilizers and da 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 da, and you'd be totally prepped to to start your own farm. The cap. Got it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but there's a cap, and that cap needs to be there, and then it, that signals it's your turn to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how people are. Right. So give me a cap. Um. And it's based on what she knows about you, because then what it also does is that it tells us about your char- your character. Right. What's the lure? Is the lure to meet a guy? Is the lure to make money? Is the lure to start your career? Right. That's how people think. Because she wants to get you. Mm. And why does she want you so much? Because she's my best friend. No, come on. Seriously, why does she, why does she want you there so much? Um, What's going on for her? Because she's lonely, I exactly. think. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> so you have to tap into her reality. Yeah. 
And now, now she has more fervor to like, you know, do whatever it takes to get you in. Right. It's almost like someone who's like a cat person who brings out the little kitty things mm-hmm. and goes, come on. Right? Yeah. It's that. Okay. So am I doing it again? Um, and this time we're going to add in the cap, whatever that is. Okay. My literal job title was farmhand. <laughs> so Lauren, my best friend from college, called me up out of the blue one day and said, you should come to the farm. It'll be awesome. You're already interested in organic farming. You could learn a lot. We'll live right next to each other all summer long. We can hang out. And then at the end of the summer, you can write an article all about your experiences. Organic farming is super interesting and hot right now, and you can sell it, and it'll launch your writing career. Uh, And I was like, okay. I mean, I don't know. I'll think about it. I didn't necessarily see myself as a farmer. But... I didn't have a lot else going on with me in Tulsa. Yeah, I think the line, I didn't have a lot else going on, is not working. Yeah, and and so so let's identify as to, like, why it's not working. Because I'll agree with you, Mm -hmm. but why isn't it working? Um, Because I think it's just, like, it's shutting us down from that, like, energy and potential that's out there. And then I just want to go right into... Like, yeah, just skip that line. And like, I think the idea of bringing the brunch in earlier is good. So there's no justification for the line. Right. If you're telling someone that story, there's no thing that's coming from the other person as to why you would go down that road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the tracking. Because your main thrust of this story is... Take a, take a go. Take a go. What's the main thrust the th- of the story? What do you mean the thrust? Do you mean like the theme, Josh? Like what's the... The, m- the main point that you're making with the story in relationship to telling it to your friend. Just the essence. The essence of this thing. For just this part? Yes. Mm. I guess I'm explaining why I would do something that's not characteristic of me. Yes. Yeah. And you, th- you dodged a bullet. Mm. Thanks to... To Lauren. Yeah. She yeah. saved my ass. Let me tell you how she saved my ass. Right. Right? That's the thrust of this chunk. For sure, yeah. So start it again. Give me that. It's like, oh my God, if it wasn't for Lauren, I would have been up Shit's Creek. She saved my ass, or whatever words you want to use. Okay. But start with that point of view, that feeling. Positive point of view. Uh-huh. What, what do you mean? Thank God for Lauren. That's a positive point of view, right? <sighs> All right, here we go. So, okay, is all this? L- yeah, no. Here, here we go. Lauren is an angel. Lauren is an angel. Lauren, Lauren is, is an, an angel. angel. Lauren and connect with. Lauren is an angel. Lauren is an angel. Lauren is a fucking angel. Lauren. And then and then let it roll out. Keep doing Lauren. Yeah, is a fucking is a fucking angel. More more positive. Lauren is an angel. Lauren is an angel. Lauren is an angel. Lauren is an angel. That's it. Now roll it out. Roll it out. Keep okay. Going. Lauren, my best friend from college, called me up out of the blue and said, come to the farm. She said, we'll spend the whole summer together. It'll be awesome. We'll live right next to each other. Plus, you can write this great article about organic farming practices and publish it, and it'll make you famous and amazing. And I said, I don't know. I'll think about it. Okay. That was amazing. When you said... I don't know. Let me think about it. 
I'm so glad we have that on tape. That is freaking amazing. Did you hear that thing of like, you was like a yes and no in the same moment? Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, one of the things that happened when the there's more energy and clear sort of emotion from Lauren is that your response coming off it is also more clear. Mm. There's more contrast. Yeah. And so Lauren needs to even go further on cheerleader Lauren. Okay. Because then we have to, like Adam just said, the sharp contrast of cheerleader Lauren against Debbie Downer. Mm. And in that contrast is everything. Totally. It'll be fun. Come on. It'll be amazing. Yeah. Okay. I feel like, I feel like we've, we've done this beat. We can move on. Let's do let's do let's do the brunch scene because the brunch scene. Okay. I feel like I feel like I know that through repetition, you people start to get it. You, it's hard to get it in one beat. It's almost like it's not. It's an unrealistic expectation. Let's go to the beat about about the brunch. I was waiting tables, having regular panic attacks about my future, and enduring weekly Sunday lunches with my mother, who was thrilled I was back in town. Okay. And then it starts. Okay. God has wonderful things planned for your life, she told me one Sunday. She had just come from church, which I had stopped going to. It says in Jeremiah, no. I, I, I gotcha. So we need to introduce, and this is where it's a hybrid between performance and, and writing. So in this beat, we need to know that you're at brunch. Right now, for the first two or three Got lines, it. I don't know where I am. God has wonderful things planned for your life, she told me one day at brunch. She had just come from church, which I had stopped going to. She said, it says in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I fiddled with my sandwich. I was still hungover from the night before. I had started drinking more than usual since I moved back to Tulsa. And the night before, I was out late with some friends at this bar that has a special $5 shot and a beer combo. If I wasn't going to physically be in church, my mother made sure to bring the sermon to me at our weekly brunches. Uh-huh, I said. Well, it's true, she insisted. And prophet to the nations doesn't have to mean you, you have to be a missionary. We can bring Jesus's light to the world no matter where we are. But... You know, I just want you to be happy. I know, Mom, I said. And then just when I thought it was over, she added, the church offices are looking for a receptionist to replace Alice, who's going on maternity leave in June. That could be a really good opportunity for you. Then my mother bit into a corn on the cob, making this popping, juicy sound. I could never stand that sound. Why are they even serving corn on the cob at brunch anyway? Actually, I already decided to go work on a farm in Washington State this summer. There, it was decided. So you end the beat on a, on a reveal, right? You reveal something that even you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. So um, God, uh, fantastic. Uh, if we bring in the element of weekly Sunday brunch right away, it'll it'll concretize it more. Because I know you have it like halfway through, but bring it in at the top, uh-huh. just okay. so I'm I'm very clear. And then what kind of Sunday brunch? You know, is it a all you can eat? Is it is it Denny's or Waffle House or just concretize it a little more? Because I, I need to know place. Okay. Um, you can cut the thing where she's and then she says because if you have a strong point of view, it says in Jeremiah. 
only she's going to be saying that. You're not, right? Right, right. Yeah. So you can cut that part. Um, uh, I need to know physical reality in terms of the contrasting experience because she's coming from church. You're you're being hungover. Mm -hmm. That's your contrast. Mm -hmm. How does it show up physically? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I mean, like, are you drinking a Bloody Mary with a celery stick? Mm. I don't know. But I need to know, like, how are you compensating for that? Because that contrast is important. $5 combos. And what was this next time? Oh, what does she say? What do you say to her? She says to you before she says it's true. Your mom says it's true. Yeah, there's a bit of a gap there. She says, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Right, that's the quote from the Bible, right? Yeah. Uh huh. And then what happens? And then I'm talking about how I'm hungover, and then I say, uh huh, as in like, yeah, I'm just like, uh huh, to her, rambling about the Bible. You're being dismissive, mm-hmm. right? Uh huh. And she says it's and true. And then she said, "Well, it's true." Right. That moment needs to be defined. Okay. It's a beautiful moment, but it's the essential moment of the entire scene. Okay. Why? Why is that? Because that's where your true reality leaks out, and she responds. Mm. She's she's lecturing you. Yeah. Lecturing you. Yeah. Lecturing you, and you're like, yeah, right. And she goes, it's true, darling. Oh, right, right, right. For a moment, there's reality, and then she goes back to. Mm-hmm. Right. I just want you to be happy. Totally. Right. Yeah. Then she goes back to to verbiage. Mm. Which is ba- which is not based in reality. Mm. So that moment is your most truthful moment, mm. as as in relationship to your relationship. Right. Got it. See, that has to do with that has to do with like what's possible. You mean when you're when you're reading with someone or what? Or when, in, when, in, you're doing this work? when you're doing this work, yeah. it's like in that moment, your the entire scene could go a whole different direction. Mm. but she doesn't allow it she goes well i just want to be i just want you to be happy Mm. a line of dialogue which you don't believe Mm. right yeah and then what happens and then i wrote down done what's that oh and then just when i thought it was over right she added god's love or something like that uh the church the church off uh right so the scene is over there because Mm. what what happens to you you check out. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Okay. And then, what? And then, see, this is where it's tricky is, is that you need to write from your mother's point of view. Right. So your mother's point of view is what? My mother's point of view is... In, in that moment. In that moment. She, she sees you drifting away. You've mm-hmm. already dished her once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? She needs to wrangle me back in. Uh-huh. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Keep going. Um, My mother's point of view is that, like, her job is to be the moral guidance Mm -hmm. in her child's life. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to do that, orchestrate Mm -hmm. the path of Mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. So from your mother's point of view, the next moment that she's about to share with you, is it it positive or is it negative? Um, From my mother's point of view, very Uh positive. Uh Uh-huh. Is it a secret? Oh, that's a good point. Is it the answer to her prayers? Mm. Yeah, I see what you Is mean. it really just an expression of God's love? Mm. <laughs> totally. You know, I didn't want to say anything, but there's a positioning opening up at the church. 
I mean, it's just God's way of looking out for all of our little, you know, sheep or whatever they're called, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So totally. what? So what is your mom expecting you to say? Yeah, to, I think in this moment, the mother's expectation is excitement, even though it's way off base. Absolutely, because yeah. characters have hopes and dreams. Yeah, for sure. And she's and she's doubling down on it by saying this is God intervening for you, mm. and that she just happens to be the conduit. Mm, totally, yeah. But we have to write it from that perspective in terms of the word choices and the right. performance. Mm-hmm. Should I should I do it one more time? Yeah, do it again. So the the bigger the ramp up you can give for your mother's approach, mm-hmm. then that will create a space for you to do the re- to do the reveal and and to drop to drop your bomb. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if she doesn't ramp up to a positive thing, then you have nowhere to go. Sure. Yeah. Okay. God has wonderful things planned for your life. She told me at one of our weekly brunch meetings. She had just come from church, which I had stopped going to. It says in Jeremiah Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I fiddled with my sandwich, still hungover from the night before. I had started drinking a lot more than usual since moving back to Tulsa. Last night I was out late with friends at a bar that offered $5 beer shot specials. I wasn't physically going to church anymore. My, My mother was bringing the sermon to me every week at brunch. Uh Uh-huh, I said. Well, it's true, she insisted. And prophet to the nations, that doesn't mean you have to be a missionary. We can bring Jesus' light to the world no matter where we are. But, you know, I just want you to be happy. I know, Mom, I said. And then, just when I thought it was over, she said... The church offices are looking for a receptionist to replace Alice, who's going on maternity leave in June. That could be a really good opportunity for you. Actually, I decided to go work on a farm in Washington State this summer. Mm. There. It was decided. Yeah, there's a moment where you say, um, my mother was bringing the sermon to me, where there's, there was just a hint there of the resentment. Like there was like, I I heard it for the first time. Hmm. And um, I think if this beat comes after the Lauren beat in which we don't know what your decision is, then it tracks more of like through your character's motivation. Actually, when, because also interesting what happens in this version is instead of you telling us, you, you actually have it in the scene. Instead of saying, I decided to go Nothing else was going on in my life. I decided to go. We're like the character in the scene decides the way you would watch in a television scene. Mm-hmm. The character says, actually, mom, I'm going to uh, Washington. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like everything comes through. It, this was like a very textbook show and don't tell, which is uh, not entirely applicable to personal storytelling because you have to bridge time and you have to tell people things. But it was laid out very differently in that in this version. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of in terms of. I, I think those are the only notes I had. And uh, whenever you say resentment for the talking about bringing the church to me, 
is that like were you wanting to hear more or or does that give add to because because i was thinking yeah the resentment is there that's kind of part of the line but um it's interesting that it wasn't coming through before yeah i mean i don't think there's it's kind of an interesting thing because like uh, you can probably deliver the line with transparent resentment or you can deliver the line with Mm. oh really that's interesting that they've um got someone in in the office i bet that's a really nice job for someone Mm. yeah i I don't know i just feel like it's kind of like your choice i just was noted like what i tune to is like when i hear something that feels raw Mm. and it felt raw to me when you hit that line Mm. you know the same way the when you hit the in the last beat on i was going it felt like there was nothing there. Got it. That's what I'm picking up on. Mm. Okay. Um, but whether you choose to tell that in like a mask, sort of like, this is how I feel, but I'm not going to tell her how you feel versus, you know, like how you, how much you bring that to the surface is your, is going to feel true for you. Sure. Okay. I, I don't that know. That's sense. my personal feeling. That makes sense. Then you say, I know mom. Is that the last one of your last lines? I know mom. Yeah, when she's like, I just want you to be happy. I know, Mom. When you say that, what are you doing to your mother? What do you want to accomplish by saying that to her in that moment? Just like placating her, kind of. Just. Do you want her to know that she, you're placating her, or do you want her to believe that you believe that she believes that you believe it's true? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, where are you at with the relationship? Because that's that's going to be your guidepost. Yeah. It's a beautiful line, and it it's it's completely neutral. Mm-hmm. The right. the dialogue, and then what you fuse it with, is going to tell us that where the character's at. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean. When you say I thought it was over, right? I'm sorry. What's your line of dialogue? And, and just when I thought it was over. Yeah. And just when I thought it was she over, added, she added. She added. Um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. How did you know it was over? Uh, I think maybe the, I just want you to be happy. I know, mom. I, the character is like, okay, cool. We've gotten done with the whole preaching at me portion of the breakfast. Great. So then, so then this goes back to tracking. So then she says, I just love you so much. I just want you to be happy. Mm. And then you say, I know, Mom. So is that your pat repertoire that you two have and that signals the end of, 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 of the sermon being over? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It's a discovery moment. It's something for you to just to yeah, contemplate yeah. and discover. Okay. So that's what we're looking at because I thought, you know, we need to define how you how the character knows or assumes that it's over because it's not but she assumes it is based on past experience. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden mom, and then mama's face went really funny and I, I'm, I'm not, I'm throwing out one possible yeah. approach. But find, find it, here's the essential note. The essential note is find it off of her. Okay. I will say, I think this exercise is really interesting because there's been a couple of lines that have popped out to me as I'm reading it and working on the performance that I, that were not clear to me before that are either 
like, oh, this isn't really feeling like it's either it doesn't have a point of view or maybe it shouldn't be in there at all. Uh, that, that it really does become clear, more clear as I do this versus just writing and revising the written drafts. So Yes, because this is what I call drilling down. Mm-hmm. You're, you're literally drilling down on each moment mm-hmm. to find out where the character is in each moment. That's why that other moment, the one we just talked about, oh, I know mom. I know mom is a huge moment because that's another yeah. moment where it could go a lot of different ways. And when I read that, I realized I wasn't sure the character's perspective on that line, which, yeah, makes it more like, oh, yeah, I don't know where the character is there. But And the only way you're going to know, the only way you're going to authentically know is when you track the inner life of the character knowing where they are. Other than that, you're just creating stories or justifications Mm -hmm. and that it could be true or it could be not be true. As long as it's emotionally true, it'll be true. But you're the guiding post in it and this is, do you wanna know what's really wild? This work that we did today is the real writer's work. What do you mean by that? That, because of how you're cutting it, tells us the emotional journey that we're on and most people don't dive deep enough to track it so that you, I'm I, the writer, am leading you on this emotional journey based on the point of view of the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. I feel like it's it, it feels very uh, in line with writing. Like it's Im- impacting the writing itself. So yeah, It's a flow, right? Mm-hmm. It's a flow between. Yeah. So, so it's like, oh, I need to sculpt this a little differently with the words. So the last thing that we're going to do today is this moment where uh, you talk about Sam and he was meatpacking and da 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 and then, you, and then uh, run from fate. Could you read that, those last couple lines? He grew up in a small town in the Texas panhandle that barely survived the closure of a meatpacking plant. Pretty much all that remained was cotton fields and churches. I got the sense that he was on the run from a fate he had been born with. To settle down in Texas, have a bunch of kids, work in either agriculture or construction and go to church every Sunday being around him filled me with a sense of excitement for life we spent all of May together riding bikes going to the lake cooking meals he asked me to be his girlfriend after two weeks and I said yes so the, the reason why I'm bringing up this last moment here well the, you is you you when you read it and the first time you read it as well you have a very strong point of view on meatpacking Oh. It comes through like in a very vivid way. Mm. Is, do you find that to be true, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a strong point of view on what Sam's options were if he didn't leave where he was from. Mm-hmm. And I really get it. I'm like, wow, meatpacker. I mean, I get blue collar. I get struggle. I get cotton fields. I get the churches. I get the isolation. The You know, just mm-hmm. that's tough. And then you bring in this thing of run for from fate run he was on the run from a fate on the run he had been born with he had been born with and i feel like that is the essence of your journey Mm. Mm -hmm. that you too are on the run Mm -hmm. you're running from your fate yeah to your destiny oh yeah right yeah and i feel like that's what this is all about Mm. that you had your own oppression or suppression it wasn't me packing it was Mm -hmm. whatever it was Mm -hmm. yeah and then you guys are recording in 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 the in the time frame of May, 
And what, what is May about? What is the month of May about? Flowers? Yes. Spring. Yes. Blossoming. Yes. Blooming. Newness. Mm. Hope. Mm-hmm. The Maypole, mm. which is a fertility rite. Okay. Right? I don't know th- about the Maypole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I- even th- either you know it or you don't know it, it doesn't make a difference, but it's, it's, it's part of the story mm-hmm. in the sense of that you guys fall in love in spring. Right. That's huge. Mm. And it's huge that you said yes to being his girlfriend after two weeks. Mm. Huge. Let that be a discovery right now. It, it's a fait accompli. Got it. And we need to know. Do you know I've never said yes to anyone after only two weeks of dating? It's like, you know, like being like, you really, you want just you, 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 yeah? Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what did it take him to a- ask f- to go? How did he even ask you? Um, what do you, okay, so... How did, oh. he, how did he ask how did you? He in, ask me? Yeah, in real life, how did he ask um, you to be boyfriend girlfriend? Well, I would imagine exclusive, right? That's mm. the point. It was like most people will say things like exclusive, but that that was the thing. It wasn't. He was like, "Do you want to be my girlfriend?" <laughs> and uh-huh. it seemed very like sort of old fashioned. I was like, "Yeah," an old fashioned and unusual. Right. Yeah. So you just said yeah, and that was it. Like th- there was no like detailed confirmation of as to what that meant or. Was there implications or was there a token given or, or received? Um, I don't think so. Signed contracts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was certainly, yeah, it was certainly like unusual for my character mm-hmm. to do that, to be like, it's, I mean, two weeks is no time at all. So, right. Yeah. So that needs to be emphasized more. Or, or, or come through. Yeah, I, I'm going to use the word evaluation. The character, ha- we need to know that that's an evaluation mm-hmm. for the character. Mm-hmm. Okay. Otherwise, we look at it as, as that as her SOP, standard operating procedure. And there's no there's no blip on your radar. You're like, sure, two weeks, that's normal. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, you know, after two weeks, he asked me to go steady. Oh, my God, I said steady. <laughs> it's varsity jacket involved. <laughs> I, I, and I said, and then, and then and then fill it in with your point of view. Like, sure. Cool. Senor, anything? We want to say thank you to Hannah for being so vulnerable and honest in her work and for coming in and letting uh, our listeners see her work uh, with her writing and with her performance. And I think it's this latter part that a lot of writers who are doing solo work don't often do. Mm-hmm. Um in which Josh has devoted much of his career to doing, which is to work with individuals, to help them tell their story in a way which comes alive. So thank you, Hannah. Thank you guys so much. It's been a really informative and growing process. I yeah, really, good. really liked it. I appreciate the time and effort. It's the Hannah Smith one. <laughs> uh, and thank you so much for being so open and receptive and a bright, the bright being sunshine that you are. Thank yeah. You. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so many people have 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 shared with me, like, "Oh my God, you're so brave to do this." You know, talking about you, and it's like, "Yeah, it is brave." You know, on an inward level. Mm. You know. Yeah, when okay. I discussed this episode concept to to people, I actually, to a few people who don't listen to the show, they're like, "Oh, that's what I want to see." Oh, I have nice. a lot of friends who are tired of seeing finished product, mm. and they find it unhelpful for them. Okay. 
I guess we're living in a strange age where process is becoming everything. And so they're yeah. eager to see people work in the process more than they're. I often hear from people. I have a friend who's a camera assistant. It was a camera assistant on Mad Men. She always says to me, like, I never want to see a shooting script. All I want to see is drafts. And I wow. think because for her perspective, it's less. She can't learn anything from seeing the final product. I mean, you always can, but she learns less. Yeah. She wants to see where the decisions get made so that when she's working herself, she can make decisions. Mm, I agree. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So well, I hope this is yeah. I hope this is helpful to some people. Well, that's why we, I mean, that's why we took the time we took because we're not doing line readings because you literally you only learn what you learn from the line reading for that line reading. Mm. It doesn't inform your choices as an artist. Mm. And so when you work the way we were working today, you start to build your own sense and sensibility, get to know your character, choice points, decisions. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, you're so brave for doing that. Yeah. yeah. So this is awesome. Um, we'll have to think of some other fun thing to do with you. <laughs> Episode five. I love 12. it. This is not my last stint on notes on your notes, people. <laughs> I will be back. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we got a treadmill and a ropes course. We're going in a new direction. And we're going to need you. <laughs> Great. Um, this has been Notes on Your Notes. Follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. It's Notes on Your Notes. And... Um, if you love this and you feel like we're doing original stuff, please let everyone on the Apple Podcast Store know and the iTunes Store. Uh, it's really helpful. We're trying to do very different work on this podcast, and people responded really well. So be part of that voice. Uh, and if you want to email us with a show topic, it's notes in your notes at Gmail. The music on our show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod, and the sound editing and design is courtesy of me. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>